The Start On Demand. On demand. With school just two weeks away, Winnipeg divisions are scrambling to come up with school bus solutions. Many parents are still waiting to hear if their kids even have a spot on the bus. We'll talk about a number of back-to-school topics. The school bus, the overall uncertainty, and Global Winnipeg anchor Lisa Dutton's battle with the big binder. Speaking of uncertainty, as many as 200 Canadian radio stations could be forced to close in the next three years due to, what else, COVID-19. And the other day, Greg asked me, is there anything better than taco night? So today we had a chat about all things taco. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, August 26th podcast for The Start. This is me, isn't it? This is where I'm supposed to play the weather. I'm just going to read it, if that's okay, because I wasn't paying attention. Mix of sun and cloud today, northwest wind at 30 kilometers an hour, the high 26, clear tonight, down to 12. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high of 26. Friday, mostly cloudy with a chance of rain and a high of 22. It is 20 degrees outside 680, CJOB. Well, we're off to the races. What a great start. Mackling, not paying attention, chatting away with Mackling, and then bing, weather sounder. Hello. I, you know, we have a, a speaker monitor that uh, so that we can listen to the on-air feed. And I swear, last week, Loren, I was so close to not even realizing that we were two minutes away from going on the air because we had that monitor on so low in here. So sometimes it's easy to get distracted, even though uh, we are slaves to the clock here at the start. I think that the, I, I often wonder if all of us are now more distracted than ever before. You know, like we, we got into our routines. We're so used to having our jobs and our roles. And then you move home and then that becomes routine. And then someone moves back and there's all this stuff. Everything is up in the air. And it's like, who's doing what? What button do I push? So the, the rule is don't give me any buttons. I think we established that. <laughs> and we'll give all the buttons back to Brett. Why don't we just do that? Buttons, Button Brett. Well, That's his new nickname, Button part, Brett. Part of the problem is all the buttons are digital now. I have one button to turn, off, turn on my microphone at this particular workstation because I'm not sitting in the, in the main one where I can control all of the mics manually. But uh, all the buttons are, are digital, and that is proving to be... I almost, oh, I'm loath to say this. What? But I don't want to, I, I hope it's not because I'm getting old that I'm having a problem adjusting. <laughs> but no, I think it's because. Think you're okay. No, the, there's something more satisfactory about that tactile button. Doesn't doesn't lack the same pizzazz. I, as, you know what? I, like the it, digital versus the hitting that button hard. You yeah, know? like in cars, for example, everything is going touch screen yeah. and I just just give me a yeah. button. I'll take the touch screen, but if for my climate controls, for my stereo controls, I still would prefer to have those all uh, knobs and buttons. I was actually just thinking how much I missed turning a key. The satisfaction of that action of turning the key when you start the car versus the push button start. Nothing really exciting about that. Yeah, and I've got one of those keys where you like where you can flip it out like right. a switchblade. Yeah. <laughs> Does that come in handy? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, when I would go for my my late night walks at 10, 30, mm-hmm. 11, sometimes I would have the key in my hand depending on who was approaching just in case because I did a couple of guys did take a run at me before. But yeah, the, the, you can't you, you can't turn a key. Mm-hmm. My buddy just got a new Dodge Ram and the touchscreen is the size of an iPad. It's insane. It's like a computer right beside you. Oh, boy. Now, that's a beautiful truck. Yes. And so I'd like to try it out. I think I'd like to complain about the size (laughs) of the digital uh, display. I'd be down with that. I don't even have a key for my house. Yeah. What? I don't even have a key for my house. It's all pin pads and touch entry and that sort of thing or on my iPhone. I don't have a house key. What happens if it breaks? Then we're in trouble. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you've got to have a backup plan for that because uh, on the op- yeah, like I have a I have an entry point to my house. I won't tell you where, but I got the kids in through it the other day because I couldn't find the key. So I was like, "All right, boys, are we ready for our scenario? C- scenario C? Like, yes, Just, yes. Were there, ele- the house. 
Were there envelopes involved? Did you there's have a, to have, here's your full, assignment? They know how to do it, man. We, we had a drill one day that I thought was super fun. as a fire escape. And I was like, this is the opposite of the fire escape plan. Now you need to get into the house. Go. <laughs> that is great. That would be super fun. That would be fun. <laughs> they must think you're like the, the cool mom. Oh, I'm just like hoisting them over the back fence, both of them on my shoulders. Someone's driving by just like, what is that? Is someone breaking into that? No, Loren just lost her keys. <laughs> Well, I grew up in a house that was about, uh, I guess it's 100 years old now, but it used to have a coal chute and so a very small window in the back area and I was forever leaving my key behind and that was typically how I got in the house, I would say 10 days out of 30 was through the window of the old coal chute. I would never fit through that window now. (laughs) My goodness. So you've got a story along these lines you want to share, 204-780-6868. And uh, Loren, you you kind of alluded to, you know, how things have changed where you guys went home, you're at home, Greg was at home, now he's back in. But it's all starting, we all kind of had this simultaneous feeling this morning that is it's like Groundhog Day. Yeah, and I, like it's not just the repeat factor of sort of more of the same and, and not just the news cycle is more of the same because it's not. Every, every day it's changing in terms of what we're learning and what we're doing and how we're approaching things for the fall. It's just that I almost feel more tapped out now with the uncertainty than I did back in the spring. For some reason, the spring had this light and now we're learning to live with this virus and, and, and I'm finding it's more exhausting than what we were living with back in March, April, May. And I don't mean because the numbers are are rising or that there's maybe additional concern for some people there. I just mean everything, like everything that we're planning for is, someone says, when are you going back to work? I don't know. What do you think about the kids in school? Well, I'm ready, but I don't know. What about their sports? They're ready. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like everything has this I don't know factor to it. And it's kind of exhausting. I was talking to my neighbor yesterday and the sentiment between the two of us by the time we, we parted ways was that, we had this sense that this was going to be a 90-day thing, maybe a 120-day thing. But I'm thinking about a wedding I'm supposed to be at in California on Canada Day. Normally, I would be getting excited about booking accommodations, booking flights. I'm not even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. In fact, part of me is wondering, am I even going to be able to go to this wedding? And I, I don't think that's an unrealistic way of viewing it. Whereas just two months ago, it would have been, oh, yeah, we're going to that wedding for sure. Yeah. It'll all be done. But now, you know, genuinely, I'm thinking it'll be a surprise to me if we're able to go to California next July. Yeah, I was thinking I'd like to to go back to Las Vegas or something. But the idea, like, I, I can't even fathom as to when I would go. Normally, I would, I, historically, I, I've gone in, like, November. It, it's become a, because a buddy of mine got remarried. They did, they, they, they renewed their vows, you know, they, they're, Wedding was November 5th, so they renewed their vows in November, so it's become like a November mm-hmm. time I like to go to Vegas. I thought maybe this year, but uh, that's not even on the radar for 2021. So, yeah. Strange, right? Maybe we need to set up some sort of backup plans for that, speaking of all our backup plans for things. Like if you can't go to Vegas by X date, create a casino in your home. You need to get a roulette table, a deck of cards. You can build your own buffet. And uh, Vegas set Brett's. That's what it'll be. That's a great idea. I mean, it might just be you in there. Yeah. Well, especially if there's a buffet. <laughs> it's probably just going to be you, just so we're clear. And maybe a cat. You should get a cat. I'm allergic to cats. I know, but. And my allergies. Go. You know, I'll just tell you what, when having allergies while wearing a face mask in a grocery yes. store is the worst. Because you got to take the mask down to like blow your nose and then everyone thinks you got a COVID it's awful. I had to I, make the, the fastest trip to the grocery store every yesterday. I had the same thing. I had my mask on in Sobeys yesterday, and uh, I'm feeling the same thing as you, Brett, with just allergies kicking in, kicking into high gear already this year. And I sneezed right into my mask because I didn't want to pull it down. Right, like I just didn't know what the protocol was. It's not going. No one's going to be happy if I pull it down and sneeze into my arm. So they're going to question that. So I like, just sneezed into the mask and then took it off as I got in the car. And I was like, well, now this one has to be watched too. I just didn't know what to do. Like, 
I was thrown. Yeah, I was completely ba- baffled, mystified, stumped. I don't know what to do. So I just got out as quickly as possible. Before we get out here, Greg. Yeah, Jason says you can go to Vegas. Just ask Air Canada. And uh, that's a little shot at Air Canada. 204-780-6868 at 509. Vic said, south perimeter westbound, a little ways between Brady and Oak Bluff. There's a huge deer car cat in the left lane. <laughs> Clearly, Vic go- doing voice to text. So I texted him back. I go, Vic, just reading your message here. Did you mean deer carcass? He said, yes. <laughs> it caught me by surprise. I almost couldn't avoid it. If there would have been two trucks going side by side, I'm sure that that it would have been pulverized. So if you're in the westbound lanes of the south perimeter between Brady Road and Oak Bluff, keep your eyes open for that deer carcass. I'm glad you cleared that up. I almost Googled deer car cat. (laughs) (laughs) Deer car cat. Am I missing something? Like, I think I know my deer pretty well, but carcass. Got it. We start this half hour at school because with school just two weeks away, many parents are still waiting to hear if their children, Greg, have a spot on the school bus. Yeah, and that's left some divisions in a flurry looking to hire more drivers and procure more buses. Global's Brittany, Brittany Greenslade has the latest. Thousands of parents every year rely on the bus to get their kids safely to school. But new capacity restrictions has left many wondering if they have a spot. We knew uh, all along uh, that busing would be one of the key concerns and challenges. And each division has been left to sort it out themselves. Louis Rial has already added 25 buses to its complement to help transport 2,400 students. We've got enough buses now to provide a bus to those who are eligible to take a bus that couldn't find an alternative. And uh, and really now the next hurdle will just be finding drivers. Drivers, the Winnipeg School Division is also looking to hire, as it has added eight additional buses to its fleet. It's still looking for parents to drive students to alleviate the pressure, but says of the 2,000 student riders, priority will be given to around 750 who need inclusion support. Seven Oaks will not be adding any additional buses, but instead staggering pickups and increasing the number of runs its drivers do. And again, relying on parents to help pick up the slack. Pemina Trails is still determining if it needs more buses or drivers, but says at this point, busing priority will be given to K-6 students, youngest to oldest grades, who live the furthest away from the school. And many are staggering pickup times. It's been a challenge for each division, but one they're trying to get through together. We, we, it's definitely a hurdle, right? It's, uh, uh, we're tenacious. We'll, we'll find a way through. While trying to keep kids as safe as possible. Brittany Greenslade, Global News. So clearly not all families are going to have a seat on the school bus this September, and that might be because they don't qualify within those distance qualifications. Lots of schools have rules in terms of how far out from the school you have to be, and that's changing as they adjust their schedules for the fall. Uh, so some families might not be eligible for busing anymore. Some parents might not want their kids on a bus at all, or they're just not able to get them to school because of their work hours. And so another option many people are looking at this year is, of course, carpooling. Global's Kevin Hirschfeld says when it comes to COVID-19 and carpooling, consistency is key. An epidemiologist we spoke with says you want to make sure your ride is as safe as possible and the best way to do that is to keep your bubble intact. If you have the option, carpool with other kids who are in your class. So you are uh, exposed to the same people for the most part throughout the school year. The second that gets violated, then we have cross-contamination. Now, since parents are likely alternating driving, everyone in the car should also be wearing masks. This will help if and when cases are detected in the school. The number of people exposed will remain low. Here's another thing. So many young families rely on grandparents, and we know they are more susceptible to the virus. So Kevin Hirschfield answers the question, is it even a good idea for grandma and grandpa to do the pickup? And drop off? Well, the doctor says parents should really find an alternative to using grandparents as drivers. He did, however, understand that in some cases, this won't be possible. If the grandparent must drive, then you take steps to protect the grandparent. 
For example, the grandparent can wear a mask and a face shield and gloves and so forth. Avoid hugging the child. Well, you can hug the child, but don't do it face to face. Avoid breathing on each other. One last thing Dr. Dio Nandan said to do is perform regular symptom checks with your family members so you can take the right safety measures as soon as you notice anyone not feeling well. Dr. Dio Nandan, by the way, Dr. Rewa Dio Nandan, University of Ottawa epidemiologist and associate professor. Yeah, he appears a lot on the news. We quote him and use his clips on our program as well. And Loren, I know for us, if it wasn't for Jackie's mom and dad, our headache as it pertains to getting our kids to school, to after school events and sports and a variety of different things would be unmanageable for a lot of parents. They count on grandparents to do a lot of these uh, driving chores and they like to do it, but they're in this highly susceptible group for COVID-19, which is why it's being stressed and suggested that maybe if you can avoid it, keep grandparents out of it. If is the key word, and, and I know that they're giving advice based on best practices, and so it's really hard to try to figure your, your way through this. And, and again, he said, if it's possible, you know, these are the best steps to take. For many parents, that if, man, it has so many factors, myself included, I've been staring at that September 8th date with no clue how we're going to get our kids to school in the fall. Our daycare quit during this COVID thing. We can't find more before school care. I do not know <laughs> right now truthfully how we're going to manage this and i know i'm not alone and we'll figure it out there will be options but as we go through that list of okay no grandparents aren't an option carpooling may be an option but with the caveat that we don't ride with people who aren't in their grades okay so that removes that option daycare we're struggling with i mean i think that this is going to be as much as as you want your kids back in school all the ifs ands and buts in that before and after scenario are weighing heavily on people One of the themes of this morning is food. We've got the Wheel of Meat coming up just after 7.15, courtesy of DWN's Farms. They're going to deliver that prize right to you. But right now we want to tie Mexican food to Italian food to pizza because we're going to give away Santa Lucia pizza at 9.15 to the winning text that comes out of this conversation. Greg asked the question, is there anything better than taco night? And we just fell down a rabbit hole talking about Mexican food and stories about said food. Greg worked at Chi-Chi's. I worked at Taco Bell. So we've got all kinds of stuff we can talk about, but let's gather the troops here. Producer Kyle is here. Jeff Braun is here. Kelly Moore is here. Producer Kyle, why don't we start with you? Uh, do you either just have a straight-up favorite dish, or do you have maybe a story about a Mexican dish you want to share? Um, I was just trying to think of this before. We have the, we've the we been to Ottawa. Me and my wife have been to Ottawa a couple times, and I don't know if people right. who know Ottawa, there's this place, um, well, there's the area like Bank Street and Elgin Street. It's a really nice downtown-type area, and we happen to find this Mexican restaurant there called Pancho Villa, and then we ended up, I think the... We ended up eating there like three times when we were in, we were when we were in Ottawa. It was just such a good restaurant, and I love I love getting the big just obnoxious fajitas like that sizzle, <laughs> and everyone's like, "Ooh!" Everyone stares at you when they come out. That's always a lot of fun. Sell the sizzle. Yeah, they used to say at Chi-Chi's, <laughs> and they didn't call them fajitas at Chi-Chi's. They were called chahitas to individually market them, and then you would take the lime and squeeze it around the skillet so it would sizzle Greg, and steam. Greg, did you work at Chi-Chi's? I yeah, uh, I did actually <laughs> once upon a time, just just, just very briefly. Hey, did, is that the restaurant you worked at in Ottawa, Loren? By any chance? No, I worked at Mexicali Rosa's. It was my uncle's restaurant in Orleans and. Ottawa and obviously it was Mexican and I would come home every Sunday night with that sweet fajita smell on mm-hmm. my clothes and in my hair and I loved it <laughs> and to the point where I ate so many of those chips with they had a special hot sauce they made in this bottle that my my uncle that would be his present to me every time he saw me would just be a giant bag of those chips and that salsa because he'd always find me in the back being like you got a table at, uh, you got customers at table seven and i'd be like mm-hmm, yep just a second <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> and all the other servers were like you're so lucky he's your uncle man you're not supposed to be eating the food <laughs> <laughs> it's great that is always one of the best parts of we're gonna talk about because i would i would take dishes 
just so that when I could eat the leftovers because they would bring food back after 20 minutes, 30 minutes because we had, you know, safety cutoffs. Okay. So if it had been there for 20 minutes, it's expired. Get rid of it. So I would eat just whatever they brought in. It was like a garbage disposal. It never made the trash. It just made it into my stomach. Jeff Braun, what about you? Uh, I'm uh, very much not an adventurous Mexican dish eater. I eat very plain tacos. I make them at home. It's the one thing I can make. So I've, I've never been to Taco Bell or had a taco anywhere else except for the ones I've made at home. And it's just the hard shell, the ground beef, and some cheese. That is it. I throw out the salsa that comes with the little yeah. taco kit and everything. The extremely <laughs> mild <you> salsa. <laughs> you should save those and sell them on Kijiji, Jeff. Ugh. Yeah. Well, who's buying used food off Kijiji? Nobody. Besides uh, bread. Why are you? <laughs> Come on. Why now. are you having crispy, like the the hard shell tacos? Yeah. Like, aren't they? Those are terrible. Are they not? Oh no, those are good. Oh, they just yeah. they they crumble and oh, it got to be soft shell. No, 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 the no hard, hard the shell. Really, I like the soft shell, but the hard taco. The, the the trick with the hard taco is it has to be eaten quick. Like if you order a hard taco through a drive through, it's not making it home. Like it 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 will make it home, but it the it gets soggy on the bottom. So if you eat, but if you eat it right there, then and there. It's great. Plus, they make the the tacos now with that sort of squared off bottom, so it's you can like actually like set it down. Up. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they can get awfully messy. But yeah, I like a good. Uh, I used to eat at Taco Bell a big beef burrito supreme, uh, ta- a hard taco supreme, a fries supreme, and a nachos bel grande all in one sitting. Because I was 16 years old, I could eat like a horse. Ah, oh, I miss that. What Isn't about- the whole point of the taco to be messy anyway? Like, who's eating Mexican food and then being frustrated that you know they like it's 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 saucy and me- you're adding different things with the fajita or whatever you're having? Like, it's not supposed to be not a clean. good first date. No, <laughs> probably not. Good point. Italian and Mexican are out. Kelly Moore, what about you? Well, I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, if you want a real, authentic taco. Uh, where we go to spend our winter vacations in a little fishing village called La Panita. Sunday nights, the taco lady, whose husband is a shoemaker, rolls out her taco stand, and it's right on the edge of a of the, the square of this little place in front of the church. So everybody's coming out of church, and the first thing they do is go to see the taco lady. That's what she's known as. And I'll tell you what, guys, they are incredible tacos. I've got to make sure they know that for this gringo that they're uh, on the mild side. Uh, but uh, it is amazing, and I feel so sorry for all the other families trying to sell tacos on the Sunday night because everybody is at this stand and it's just family and friends at the others. And sorry, where is this, Kelly? It's uh, just north of Puerto Vallarta. It's a little fishing village called La Panita. La Panita. Well, one of our listeners said that they don't eat tacos in Canada, don't like tacos at home, but when they go to Mexico, the street tacos and the tacos mm-hmm. from the little holes in the wall, that's yes. they, they gobble those up, but can't just don't have a taste or flavor for them here at home. And Shannon says, I have a few favorite dishes, enchiladas from Paradiso in uh, Fargo. And yep. I think they have one in Grand Forks, fried ice cream from Chi-Chi's and street tacos. So there's Shannon's uh, Mexican food lineup. Louisa says, wrap the hard taco shell with one lettuce leaf and then it won't crumble all over the place. There's your tip of the day. That's yeah, it. But then- you get the salad. Like I eat the taco with che- like I see I do the exact same thing she's saying, and then I eat the taco, and then everything falls out, and then you have a taco salad. Yes. Yeah. So that's right. The leftovers. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Just wrap like, soft shell too. Lettuce. Oh, so wrap. So have. Yeah. That well, Taco Bell has items like that where they have a hard taco and with cheese uh, between that and a soft shell. So it's like a taco sandwich. I am so hungry right now. We start this hour with alcohol, marijuana, opioids. We know there are concerns that Manitobans are increasingly turning to a variety of substances during this pandemic. And about a month ago, we spoke with Marianne Willis, who runs Street Links in St. Boniface. She works with Manitobans battling addictions. And at the time, she told us she was seeing a return to fentanyl use or, or drugs laced with fentanyl. And that was leading to a rise in overdoses. 
We know that that's also been a growing issue during this pandemic. And in the Winnipeg scene, at least, that's in part because the cost of meth is on the rise. But, Greg, it appears the landscape might be shifting again when it comes to drug use. It's all very disturbing. Uh, Marion Willis joins us now. Marion, good morning. Good morning. So uh, can you tell us what are you hearing in terms of the drugs that people are turning to now? Is there one specific uh, drug you know, they're turning to? Yeah, it's not what we're hearing. It's actually what we're seeing and what we're experiencing. So this is very real. You know, for a while, meth dried up on the street, and uh, we felt maybe we would all have a little reprieve from some of the uh, behaviors uh, and issues associated with that. But that wasn't to be the case. Um, uh, purple uh, fentanyl and also another drug called beige pebble, which is absolutely deadly. Beige pebble contains heroin, fentanyl, and a deadly synthetic cannabinoid. And uh, because of how it's cut, uh, naloxone, which is normally used to uh, revive people who uh, are struggling with a fentanyl overdose, uh, is likely not nearly as effective. Uh, added to that now is that there's a new supply of fentanyl, or sorry, of meth back on the streets. And so we have as much meth as we've had in the past. And we now have uh, people that are using both and using it together. Uh, it's been, um, you know, the drug epidemic has not gone away. We're just not talking about it much because COVID has uh, taken um, pretty much up everybody's, um, well, it's, it's COVID that's on everybody's mind right now. But behind that veil of COVID, I have to tell you, the drug epidemic in this city uh, is escalating. And uh, well, you may find uh, this year that because we had uh, sort of a bit of a, of a dry up from meth, uh, that we may have better stats in some areas. But I think you're going to be absolutely shocked when you can get the uh, the uh, stats from the chief medical examiner's office on how many drug overdose deaths there's been in the city and in this province this year. What are you hearing, Marianne, when it comes to those overdoses? Because you're sharing a lot of new information with us this morning, not just the, how the drugs are being cut, but that meth is making a comeback from what it sounds like. Meth has been back on the streets for a few weeks now. Um, and it isn't, again, it's not what we're hearing, it's what we know. Um, we spent most of this spring and summer actually taking down uh, two addresses uh, here in St. Boniface where, that were actually uh, selling in a place where people were going to use. And our organization is now occupying both of those addresses and using them for other purposes. Um, but uh, just uh, two weeks ago, uh, just in one week, um, just in the street across from me, somebody uh, invited uh, <clears throat> a couple of people uh, into his home. Uh, he went to have a shower and he came out and one of his guests was uh, dead on his living room floor with a needle still in his arm. And it was, again, it was from uh, Purple Down. Uh, just down the street, a little bit further on the corner of Provence, and um, uh, there's a, a high rise there. Uh, same day, um, paramedics attended and uh, another person uh, deceased from, uh, from an opioid overdose again i believe it was fentanyl or purple down um it's everywhere you know this morning um you know i i'm i'm up reading my messages fairly early and what's you know become uh, common for me is to receive desperate messages from parents you know um a parent this morning uh warning me about the uh about the the uh sorry, the beige pebble, and her son is on it, and some of the uh, things that have happened to him in this, this last little while. Uh, I personally have a friend um, who uh, has lost two sons in under a year and a half to heroin, uh, sorry, to fentanyl overdose. So it is really, really bad. Marion, we only have about a minute left here, but for anyone looking to get off of these drugs, how many detox beds are actually available? Well, there's only 10, and so that's become a problem, too. Like, during COVID, to accommodate physical distancing and, you know, some of the things we absolutely must do, we must follow these protocols for COVID, but it does have an impact in other areas. And, and so instead of 30 detox beds, we're down to 10. Well, 10 for the city of Winnipeg, a city that is facing a drug epidemic, um, you know, it's not good. 
uh, most most people have to attend detox before they can go to treatment, you know, so and treatment beds have been reduced. So it's a pretty desperate situation, I have to say, you know, and the other thing is, is that, you know, organizations aren't being resourced at all uh, to try to deal with the drug epidemic because all resources now have moved to covid you know, the solution in this really is that we we need to start looking, you know, at all of these issues that uh, affect this city and this province. We need to understand the interrelatedness of them all, and we need to come up with a plan and a, co- a coordinated response, you know, that considers. So the COVID, re- the COVID response needs to consider the impact of homelessness, of you know, drug addiction and, and mental health and needs to understand that the, 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 the escalating numbers of homelessness are entirely linked to uh, the number of drug users, you know. And then if we want to look at community transmission of COVID, we need to understand that the community transmission is largely going to be through this group. Marion Willis from Street Links in St. Boniface joining us live on 680 CJOB. Marion, thank you for this. We've got to continue the conversation now on school as we look ahead to the first full week of September. Back to school is on the minds of many Manitobans, Loren. And I think it's safe to say that everyone, parents, kids alike, we're all adjusting to this new normal. And as with any change we've seen over the past few months, there can be a lot of uncertainty, but it also is mixed with some excitement. I think it's going to shoot them in the foot and probably by mid-October, we're going to go back to kind of the same sort of system we were seeing in uh, like March and April, right? Personally, if my son was school age, I would be keeping him home. I don't think it's going to go over very well because we can't get adults to wear their masks properly. So how are we supposed to expect younger generation to wear them properly? I really actually do want to go to school because like I can see all my friends. I can feel how it will feel like at school um, and I kind of miss it. Yeah, several adults in that series of clips wondering out loud how long it will be before schools will need to alter their plans. And one younger child at the end there sounding like she wants to get back to class and see her friends. And I would say historically, I would think that this time of year kids start to anticipate getting back to school. They want to get back at it. They're maybe even getting bored, dare I suggest. Seeing their friends and getting into a new routine is also something that I think kids genuinely do look forward to. Loren, are your kids excited, anxious? I think excited is the word for the most part. I mean, of course, we've tried to keep some of the anxiety down. You know, like we talk about masks at home and when we go into stores now, we try to make sure they have them on so they're getting used to that scenario and comfortable with that. There's been no pushback on that front, but, you know, they haven't worn it for more than 45 minutes at a time. So, you know, that mask equation will be different once they go in to school. Um, And I think the friend equation is a big part of it and even the routine. They really, really want to get back to normal with their school peers, with their classmates, and even sports and all the rest, right? And I, the, the only thing that I think is like the rest of us hanging over many kids' heads is that they're well aware, I would say, of the uncertainty in the equation in terms of you know, getting to school, who's picking us up, who's dropping us off, will school happen, will there be online stuff, will I be able to play uh, soccer this fall or hockey this fall, like all those things are up in the air. And because every conversation now ha- has been added with that idea of, this is the scenario right now, as we as we know it right now, this is the return to date for school. And so I think the uncertainty is big, but the excitement is huge. And, and we know today Justin Trudeau is announcing more money for schools, how that's going to trickle down to Manitoba. He's offering a, um, a big package. Will that help with answer some of the questions schools have? I don't know. But for the most part, yeah, they're... Uh, we did back-to-school shopping last week, and they're ready for it, Brett. You, you already did your back-to-school shopping? Lily? I know. Isn't that – this? I said to you earlier, this is the earliest. I went last Wednesday afternoon, I think, and that's the earliest I've ever gone in six years of kids being in the school system. I often save it for the Labor Day weekend, <laughs> and then, which is just – obviously the worst idea you can ever have when it comes you, you get the pick of nothing you like the bins are half empty and they're like we need erasers you're like no erasers this year everyone the erasers are gone like so yeah we went back to school shopping and now the hard part is that we've got the supplies and we have to do some of the labeling and you know get things other things ready and 
I can't push myself to get that part done yet because it feels like there's still all these unknowns. But yes, in theory, we're ready. Well, in talking about school supplies and you mentioned big package, Lisa Dutton, Global News anchor. Uh, I was looking at Instagram yesterday. And if, you, if you're on Instagram, make sure you follow us at 680CJOB. But Lisa is a great follow as well because she is hilarious and is always posting funny stuff about her family. Now, the binder, the kind of binder you have, it's long been like a fashion statement, right? Like a, if you've got a cool binder, mm-hmm. other kids are envious. The trapper keeper, I think, is the oh, terminology yeah, that, that Jeffrey Forte introduced us to. And, and the zip-up binders now, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, all the different colors. And I mean, when I was a kid, you just recycled binders from your dad's work. Yeah, and that was as good as you could get typically, or the, the big blue <laughs> binder that were just, just destroyed by the end of the year. But now they're they're a big deal. Yeah, and yesterday on Instagram on her story, Lisa Dutton shared some drama as it pertained to one binder in particular. I'm concerned about the size of this binder. This thing is a beast. Like this looks like the shot a shot of a bike rack, <laughs> but it's a binder. I feel like this is a lot of binder. So I'm now gonna go to Staples, hi, and inquire about whether this binder is necessary. If by chance they advise me that it's too big for my youth, then if there's anybody looking for like a condo, I could pass it on. Took it down a notch to the sleek two inch model, still has a handle. The three inch was silly. And watching it, you heard her say, hi, it's because she's, it's so comically large. She can't even open it in her car without it hitting her in the face. (laughs) So she's in the parking lot in her car, all dressed to deliver the six o'clock news. And uh, people are obviously noticing what she's up to, but a bike rack. What an incredible analogy, because when she turned it sideways and had it just right in the shot, she was bang on. That's what it looked like. Now, we haven't received a school supply list, and I'm trying to think back. Does that stop in high school? Is basically, you should know what you need by now. Go out and get it. I don't know. Isn't there a need for geometry sets or those calculators that can do cosine tangent i guess if my kids end up being as smart as we or they think they are (laughs) and end up taking calculus but uh we're doing some major recycling in our house at least we're hoping to to not have to go out and buy a a bunch of uh, stuff uh you must have a giant uh list of things you need to buy but were there any giant binders on the list no giant binders. Binders were on the list, but I have to be honest, when you talk about recycling, because the school year ended as it did, before we left, usually like the pencils and the crayons and all these things are down to like the nubs and the papers torn off and the markers don't work anymore. I went through a lot of their stuff and so much of it is still good to go. And so the the shopping was relatively easy because, you know, half their scribblers weren't used and the binder was in pristine condition. And so it was the easiest thing. Erasers. We got erasers because they didn't have enough last year. But yeah, we've recycled a ton. Well, let's continue this conversation in a moment. And we also want to talk about the lingering uncertainty. And how are you feeling about all this uncertainty? Just ahead of traffic, we all got it wrong. We were wondering, is it Scythe? Is it Sith? Like Revenge of the Sith? Mm-hmm. Come on. Why won't you play? Play. Let me do this again. Command it to play. Scythe. Oh, scythe. 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 Oh, it's scythe. Yeah, scythe. Nah, I'm not I, buying it. I was, I, was, <laughs> I was taking the lead of the farmer, so, and that's you, scythe. McNabb, so. Who's saying it? Who's, who's giving us feedback on that scythe? I'm not saying that. That's ridiculous. You know what? Now I'm just going to say skiff. Scythe. Skiff. <laughs> scythe. Skiff. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us this morning on The Start as we continue our conversation about back to school and uncertainty and all the wondering, like, what is happening with the school buses? How are the kids going to get to school? Should grandma and grandpa take the kids? And it it doesn't just pertain to, to uncertainty about back to school. Like, Greg, you brought up something 
that kind of threw me off about the NHL and the possibilities that exist there. Uh, according to several reports over the last couple of days, the NHL is in fact reportedly investigating four hub cities for next year for their new season starting in uh, December or January. And uh, the possibility exists that we will not see NHL hockey in its regular format and its regular buildings with fans next season. And so when you read, start reading things like that, it has you wondering, should I be making plans for vacations, for trips for next year and maybe well into 2021? One of our listeners saying that, that uh, he and his family have $2,700 worth of travel credits built up and they expire next year. And so he's concerned about, well, what happens to this money and what do I do? So I think there are a lot of people who are in that same boat. Just curious to know, how are you thinking about next year? And Loren, when you hear the NHL pondering plans like the one I just li- laid out, it's got to have you going, oh boy, this is, I mean, if it wasn't real already, it's uh, there are certain signals that, that, that suggest to me that uh, those in the know are are planning for for long term alterations to the way they do business. I, well, I just think they have to, and I don't. You know, it doesn't just pertain to the NHL. It trickles down to so many other uh, sports. First of all, right? Like even amateur sports here in this province, they, as we return to play, the plan they have for various sports that keeps changing, right? And depending on where you are, you might have a different code orange or yellow or green, and that will allow you to do things or not do do things. And so I I will bet in so many boardrooms, offices, whether, you know, the big leagues are small and, you know, even just in, in downtown office towers, there's now a scenario D or E or F, right? Like you had plan A and plan B mm-hmm. and, and now where are you going with it? And so, like we said earlier, you know, people often will say, are you going back to work soon? And my answer is, I don't know. And back in the spring, I thought fall, right? And so I think that fall plan is now changing for so many of us. Listen to this uh, report from Don Kelly here. Um, A report by the Canadian Association of Broadcasters warns as many as 40 local television outlets and up to 200 radio stations could be forced to close in the next three years. The CAB's report called The Crisis in Canadian Media and the Future of Local Broadcasting warns the pandemic is adding to financial pressures media companies were already facing before COVID-19. It says TV and radio broadcasters face a cumulative projected revenue shortfall of up to $1.06 billion by the end of 2022. The CAB is calling on the federal broadcast regulator to take swift action by establishing a more fair and sustainable future for local media and for the federal government to provide emergency regulatory relief as well as greater support. Don Kelly, The Canadian Press. Obviously, this was troubling for us to read because we work at a radio station and this report says the most vulnerable radio stations in the country are the country's AM radio stations as well as other independent private radio and TV operations in smaller markets across the country. Uh, so the pan- we've, we've been lucky to have our jobs throughout this pandemic and we've uh, it's been an honor really to bring you as much information as we can uh, to try to help you navigate this pandemic. But uh, this is, this is scary news for our industry. It feels as though over the last several months, our relationship with listeners has actually grown stronger. I think people depend on a local voice to take information that in this case, this has to do with a global pandemic pandemic and localize it. And Loren, uh, I would suggest that the province of Manitoba understands the value of localizing information. Otherwise, they would not have done what they've done with regards to the pandemic and COVID-19 number reporting and localized it for people so that they can either be on high alert, depending on where they live, and I'm not going to say or relax, but at least have a, a different comfort level about what's going on around them. That local information localized as much as possible is critical to people on so many fronts. 
And I think that it's no, it's no stretch to say that during these times, that's where people have turned, I think, right? For specifically in the beginning of, well, what's happening in my backyard? Because there's a national picture to so many things. There's an international picture. But then there's, of course, like you mentioned, that the province went to sharing information about what's going on in districts, health districts, as opposed to just reading regions because people were asking for more info and so we are living in a time where i think that appetite is insatiable like people are looking for more info than ever before at the same time we're we're a business right and we rely on businesses to advertise with us and and businesses are struggling and so there's just these you might have more people tuning in but few people fewer people spending their money and so there's that this whole mix of things going on and then to throw into the line and, and to add to potential the worry down the road is there's no question we're not we're not immune to this and therefore there's a line in that story about the idea that maybe the federal government needs to step up with some sort of emergency funding and the challenge with that and we know guys we've been telling people from the get-go that we don't get any federal money whatsoever we, we, we aren't receiving government dollars that being said People have that perception, right? Once you throw government dollars into equation, then there's going to be a whole other conversation to be have, had about impartiality and all the rest. Well, and, you know, it's interesting because so many businesses in Winnipeg are booming right now. In fact, we're hearing about shortages on different fronts and the idea that businesses can't get stock on certain things. So it's almost to the point where do they even need to advertise right now? And then the other question I have, Brett, has to do with technology, CGOB started out as an FM station. Now we're on AM. You know there are cars being built that don't even have AM radios in them. Yep. Is that part of the challenge in your mind for AM radio is the fact that, plain and simply, it's difficult to find a device which will access AM radio without using data on your cell phone or your uh, that, that is sometimes a, a pushback that we get when we suggest people listen to us online. Of course it is a, a challenge that our industry faces, our AM radio stations face. I mean, if, they, if the car is the primary spot, I think, where a lot of people listen to the radio. And if they're getting in a vehicle that doesn't even have the AM radio, that's bizarre. I know a lot of uh, MP3 devices, for example, would offer radio options, but they would only offer FM. So that's not something new uh, as far as technology goes. That it's almost, like the, it's almost like technology has been trying to wipe out AM radio on its own. And a lot of people don't even know what the AM, much like my aunt, uh, may she rest in peace, my Annie Pat, did not know what the FM dial was because <laughs> CJOB was on her radio for decades and it never changed. And uh, I think I mentioned that when I was on a college radio station 18 years ago, I, she, I, she was asking me about it and I told her where it was and she didn't know how to get to it mm -hmm. because it was on the FM dial. But right. conversely, I think especially probably a lot of young people might not be at all familiar with the AM dial. So I know that uh, it'd be nice if we could get back on the FM dial as well so we could serve both our wider audience. Because AM gives us an opportunity to reach a much larger or wider base and so we cover most mm -hmm. of southern Manitoba, right? Whereas an FM station, you go, what, 100 clicks out of the city and you're out of range? Sure. And yeah, and I can, I can listen to CJOB all the way to Minidosa and sometimes beyond many days, right? So that's the appeal of it is, is, is it's so broad in its reach. I had this physically end with our conversation. Oh, for sure. And I had this conversation with somebody else the other day, just re with regard to the idea of streaming. First of all, we sound way better online and on your app. It's like FM and it's actually better than FM. And if you want to take range out of the equation, listen online because we have people that listen in Colorado. They listen in California. They listen in Florida. They listen in Australia. And once data becomes unlimited for people, could that be the new way people are listening to radio anyway? And might that not be the way to go? Might we not want to skip the FM phase and go straight <laughs> to online? Because you can already listen to us on different apps. The, the Radio Player Canada app is, is the place that we like to suggest people go for CJOB. You can listen to it anywhere in the world. The one thing I would say about about skip, and I like the, I love the idea. I love where you're going with that. But I think the idea of skipping the FM port component, the thing there is, 
I'm a station flipper. I will flip, 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 flip until I find something I like. And I'll, I'll, I'll listen to like seven radio stations in a day. Like, nope, don't like that song. Don't like that song. Ooh, I like that song. I'll listen to that. And if you're flipping through the dial, you might just land on something uh, you like. So I do like the option of that. Um, but let us know what you think. 204-780-6868. The idea of 40 television stations and 200 Canadian radio stations may be closing in the next three years. Thanks to what else? COVID-19. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It is time to give away our pizza. And I'm just going to throw in some text messages here, guys, so that you can all see. We have come to a consensus on our winner, but we got some great stories this morning and some awesome suggestions on where you can perhaps go to eat. Loren, you said you uh, visited somewhere in, uh, was it Brandon? Yes. Uh, on my way home, I was stopping to do an interview with uh, KK, with Kathy Kennedy in for Jeff Courier. And so I took, was driving around the city and uh, stopped in front of City Hall because I was just curious what people were doing. And then I looked across the street and there was this little Mexican place. And I'm just trying to call up the name because I do not want to get it wrong. But it was a, mostly Colombia, but Sabor Latino. And I had three, and they were soft tacos, but one beef, one chicken, and one pulled pork, I think it was. Oh, it was Amazing. a Colombian place. Yeah, I believe that they're Colombian in origin, but they call it like, um, even on the sign, it's you know, Colombian, Mexican, Latin fare, right? And so the menu's limited right now due to COVID, but I had seen someone else talk about it on social media a few weeks ago, and I... I was like, the next time in Brandon, I'll have to remember that. And then I just parked right in front of it <laughs> around noon on Monday. And I was like, well, I don't mind if I do. <laughs> <laughs> and Gary texting us about a, a, a Salvadoran uh, place. He says the best tacos in Winnipeg, tamale time, food truck, authentic Salvadoran cuisine. Do we have to put a GPS tracker on that uh, food truck in order to find it? Is it uh, in one particular place? Most of those places are pretty good on their social media at alerting you where they're going okay. to be. I'd like uh, to know. Yeah, I would like to know too. I don't know why I don't do food trucks more often. I've only mm. gone to food trucks like a couple of times and it's always an amazing experience. I don't disagree. There's one uh, just down here in the in the exchange, Goldie's. Uh, I went, uh, I was starving one day Last week, and I said to have you got any poutine ready? He says, 12 minutes. I said, 12 minutes. I shall wait. 12 minutes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was just getting going for the day. 10.30 poutine, you know? Yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. But, like, you can just walk up Broadway, and how many food trucks will be down there on any there, given day? There's just not that many of them right now, because now that you mentioned that, when I was in last week and the week before, I was so excited to be back downtown for all these different restaurants that I miss. And because of our shift, you're starving at 10. So like to Greg's point about poutine not being ready, you know, it's not lunchtime yet, but it's our lunchtime. It's practically our supper time. Feed me. So then I went, then I took a drive down Broadway and unless I'm missing something or maybe it was just too early in the morning, which is a possibility, there just wasn't as many food trucks out as I remember in normal summer, summers. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess you're right at 10 o'clock too. Like I, we can't go over to the King's Head yet and crack a beer, can we? I mean, you mm -hmm. can. I, you can't? Is that Sometimes they open early. They, they, they used to open early for soccer, right? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah and uh, different and the World Cup of uh, different events. Darlene, I think, was trying to get to me. She uh, said uh, our favorite wasn't exactly a dish; it was a giant pictures of uh, strawberry margaritas that you used to be able to have at Chi-Chi's. But this is the winner. I lived in Mexico City in 1995. We had guests from the U.S. come to visit and took them to TGIF in the Zona Rosa. A happening place. The food was cold. They spilled a drink on my friend and soaked his pants and ruined his leather jacket. They brought me a drink with alcohol when I asked for a cocktail without alcohol as I was pregnant. We left without leaving a tip. They came after us down the street demanding oh a tip. They were angry, angry when we refused. A memorable Mexican eating experience for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> we got to make it right. Congratulations. You're going to get some pizza from Santa Lucia. <laughs> we'll be in touch to get more details. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us. As you might know, we have... Recently moved into 201 Portage. At last, after years of discussion, trying to figure out how to put 680 CJOB, Power 97, and Peggy at 991 together with our friends and colleagues at Global Winnipeg downtown. We're all together, one big happy family. 
Or is it one big happy family? We've already had one guy leave. Yep. I'm starting to take this personal, Brett McGarry. And now another one's leaving. It's like all these ugly radio people are here. We're leaving. It's it's not you. I, I actually, if you want to go on with your intro and we just listen to a little bit more Chad and the boys, I'm okay with that too. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm the next one to go. Sorry, guys. Mike Conkin, global weather specialist. No more. As of when? Friday. Friday is the last show day. So sign off just, for the final time. Did you just use the line, it's not you, it's me? It's like no. a bad breakout. It's not you guys, it's me. But it's really you. <laughs> it was it was in the works before uh, before you guys moved in. Because I will say, I, I'm leaving Global. I'm not leaving Winnipeg or Manitoba. I'm going to be moving down the street, not to a competitor. I'm going back to school. I, uh, my new career will be in the field of elementary school teaching. So. That is cool. That is really cool. Yeah, so I had to take some math courses over the last little bit to prepare myself oh, for that. Oh, really? Calculus you... still sucks, if you were wondering. <laughs> Did you have to get one of those fancy trigonometry cal- uh, calculators, the scientific calculator? Yeah, but they don't let you use those in the exams because they want you to actually know the stuff. It's... It was a whole thing. I did, yeah, I did a calculus class and an algebra class in the last uh, 12 months. Calculus. Yeah. Wow. I don't remember. The last time I would have thought about calculus was 1996. Yeah, and hard. that's the last time I wish I got to think about calculus, <laughs> but unfortunately, it was not meant to be. Had so, to... so that's fascinating because you obviously don't need calculus to be an elementary school teacher, but they're trying to figure out wh- how good your brain is, I guess. Is that basically it? Like, what's the reasoning? Well, the, the goal being for elementary school teaching, if it's something that you want to get into, you need to have a well-rounded educational background. And so I have lots of courses in communications, English, a ton in geography, and even though there was a lot of math and physics involved in the geography courses, the course codes were not M-A-T-H. And so as a result, there was no, there was no budging uh, on being able to have those cre- uh, credits transferred. So it was back to uh, it was back to university to uh, to do some calculus and then some linear algebra. Well, you know, our loss is the gain of the school systems, because I think you're going to be terrific with the kids. I've never seen you with kids. You don't have any kids Mm-mm. what is it that's drawing you to the you know to the uh, germ bags in grades <laughs> one through six because you know you're going to get a lot more sick right oh probably yeah. my mother-in-law has been making me masks for when i uh, for when i'm doing my <laughs> practicum assignments and stuff but i've always loved working with kids i used to work at summer camps uh, when i was when i was younger in my teens and even into early 20s um, but more and more as I've been doing this job here, I've enjoyed getting out of the uh, getting out of the office, going out to I Love to Read Month, and I actually read to uh, your boys this last winter. Um, but going to different schools as well, even outside the city, and doing uh, weather school presentations, and more and more those were becoming the highlights of my day. Even though TV is all I've ever wanted to do since I was little, uh, it turns out that I was finding I was getting more joy out of going and uh, talking weather or just reading. Uh, reading books to younger kids so that's why I, i'm changing changing lanes and i should add guys when i was working in television just down the hall there uh, just a few years ago mike and i co-anchored together when he did the weather and i did the news with heather there would be days say the daycare would be sick or there'd be you know a pd day and you couldn't figure out what to do with the kids and so i brought them to work and then i'd be like is mike here yet and then they just hung out with Mike for hours on end because he's very good with kids. They loved him. They did my job, too. Uh, they, they were responsible <laughs> for the Your Manitobas on that day, certainly. And uh, I, think, I think I even had them punch in a few numbers. They were, yeah. It was close. <laughs> it was close. So it, it, all, it all worked. <laughs> is it going to be weird standing in front of an actual whiteboard as opposed to a green screen? Mm. Yeah, it's all smart boards now. I can, uh, I can kind of expand my wardrobe into a whole new color palette, which will be, uh, be nice. Uh, but yeah, it will be... It will be a very different scene. But when I would do the weather school presentations, like I, I got into TV because I like doing shows. And so when I would go out to schools and I would talk about weather, why it gets hot, why it gets cold, uh, just how thunderstorms work, this and that and the other thing, it was an hour of on time. And now in TV, since I moved away from the morning show, I've it's about an hour and a half tops. And so I enjoy having that... I'm looking forward to the opportunity to kind of doing more presentation. It will feel like more showtime and useful and useful for the kids as well. They they were quite engaged during those uh, weather school presentations. So that made me feel good. I can only imagine how you're going to mark kids when it's speech time and when they're doing their oral <laughs> presentations. You're going to have to stand just so. And uh, are, you, are you going to have to 
back off the whole idea of everything is television uh, while you're marking kids on stuff like that? that that'll be uh, that'll be a neat scene. But I've done some work with schools and their uh, and their broadcasting. They'll do news presentations. There's actually just across the uh, just across the bridge at NBCI. I went in and I was critiquing some of the news stories that the kids had put together there. And then they had a big show in the auditorium. And they did great stuff. Like, they will look back, regardless of if they decide to pursue this or not, for the ones that do choose to pursue it, even in 12 months, if they were to keep up doing any of the skills that they're doing, they're going to look back and say, eh... Could have done more. Could have done better. Because they're going to improve every time they do it. That's the main thing. If you want to get better at something, you just have to practice at it. And so I also got to go and hang out with one of my one of my favorite nieces. I will say, uh, I've got four, but one of my favorite nieces <laughs> uh, down at Rose uh, down in Rosenord at her elementary school because she will do the news as well, the Red Hawk news. So I got to uh, I got to hang out with them during their newscasts and got to give my one of my favorite nieces some pointers and she's done great stuff she's she if she would choose to pursue this i think she will do great in the television industry can i play a piece of audio for you here there conkin you you sure can this is my favorite mike conkin moment and it's actually not even uh it's it's (laughs) through no fault of your own it's through the fault of one of our colleagues who forgot to turn off his microphone this goes back to 2012 Clear out more for Thursday as we get a little bit of sunshine, but temperatures also start to drop off. So we'll be seeing Conkin our afternoon time. highs a little bit closer to freezing at that Conkin time. time. And that <laughs> forecast. See, now the, the, the I thought that was that was a recorded weather, but I yeah. thought it was live. So the fact because so what happened was the producer potted you down, but I thought you just kind of like stopped that's talking. Time. And that's and that forecast. your forecast. <laughs> Currently in Winnipeg, and it's listen, three degrees. I'm Clay Young for more news. <laughs> For more news, go to ctob.com. <laughs> he knew he knew he did it at the end. <laughs> uh, yeah. So good, I love that. I still have that clip uh, saved on my computer. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure that's my my ringtone now associated Cock with time. Your, uh, yeah. <laughs> Cock and time has been so great with you, Mike. And I wondered, like, I know you're so looking forward to this shift in career, but you know, as you look back on all your years, you started on Global News morning show and then moving mm-hmm. over to the six and doing the 10 are you gonna miss talking about a weather a bit because it's such a like people are still gonna ask you questions you get harassed all the time about what's going on outside i, I won't say harassed uh <laughs> your your words not mine uh spoken <laughs> to gently <laughs> yeah yesterday <laughs> you're not doing anything you want to find some stats <laughs> <laughs> a weather was happening yesterday loren <laughs> so <laughs> Well, speaking of those numbers, it was, I think, according to your uh, forecast and your supper time news at 6 o'clock, it hit uh, 30.3 in Winnipeg yesterday, I believe was our high that you quoted. Uh, It would be it would be in that ballpark in that ballpark story. You get the official numbers for Winnipeg kind of more the day after because you get the hourly ratings. But yada, yada, yada. We were, we were certainly right around there. <laughs> okay, so how many uh, days of 30 degrees or more have we had this summer? Because a lot of people saying, is this the best summer ever? Well, uh, for the record, I have to say there's no such thing as good weather or bad weather. Just, you know, you need to be, yeah, Greg, <laughs> Greg slumped so really? hard. No, I can't. Yeah. When he says Neutrality this, Neutrality so... with regard to the weather? Hey. Okay. No, let him finish. I'm not gone just... yet. I'm not gone yet. I still have to stick to it. Uh, but, yeah, no such thing as good weather, no such thing as bad weather. But, yes, it has just been what, quite though? warm. Bad clothing choices. You had exactly. to finish that. Sorry, yeah, and looking good is half the battle. Um, but to, to the 30 degrees, normally in June, July, August, we'll get about 12, 12 days where we get over 30. This year, June, July, August, we have had 18, although with yesterday, that could actually push it to 19. Precipitation-wise, we're kind of about half over the last two months. It's certainly been drier than normal. Just look at your lawn, your gardens. They are not in pristine condition unless you've been watering them very well. Um, But probably more the bigger stat than even just the heat, the more of the 30 days. Only once this month have temperatures actually been cooler than normal. Think of the last time that you actually, well, for myself, I wear shorts essentially through the entire summer. But I only wore pants once in uh, in the month of August, and that was that rainy day back on the uh, 18th of August. So... Lots of warm days uh, so far this summer. Not a ton in the way of rain after we got out of June. Uh, so that would be kind of how I would characterize our summer here in Winnipeg. Warm, dry, pretty decent. No editorialization, <laughs> just characterization Did when you it comes th- to the weather. 
Did you, did you just say pretty dece? Yes. <laughs> he's, practi- he's practicing. He's got to fit in with the kids. <laughs> Mike Conkin, global weather specialist. No more as of Friday. Thanks. Wait. Oh, go ahead, Lori. Sorry, I have to. Mike, who was the favorite person you worked with at 201 Portage? Your oh, gosh. Co-worker. Well, I feel like this is a question that has a correct answer to it <laughs> and a series of incorrect answers. <laughs> But Loren, you are certainly, I, I miss you like crazy. I can't believe, it's actually too bad that you aren't here. Although, for health and safety regulations, I would probably be hugging you after this interview. So, doctor's orders. It's nice that you're at home. But I do miss you like crazy. It was so much fun to work with you uh, doing the news at 6 o'clock, even just being around the office with you. You were an awesome leader here at uh, Global News, and I'm glad that even though you left TV, you're still with the company because there's a lot of people that are certainly going to benefit from having you here. Boy, I think he's going into politics, not into (laughs) teaching. That's what I think. I only meant to turn that to me for a little bit, not a lot. So now I kind of feel a lot of shame. Mike, you are the best. One of my favorites as well. Good luck, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, guys. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for doing the exit interview. It's way more fun with you guys than with HR. <laughs> Just wait. His first appearance was his last. Mike Conkin, thanks for this. Global weather specialist Mike Conkin leaving to be a teacher. Starting as of this Friday, there will be no more. Conkin time. No more. Conkin time. And once more. Conkin time. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.